and a very warm welcome to this TLT and Cornwall Insight podcast series where we'll be focusing on the important topic of electric vehicle charging infrastructure. So alongside this series we have prepared a report on this very topic. Today we're thrilled to be joined by contributors to the report Maria Connolly, Head of Clean Energy and Real Estate at TLT and Jacob Lloyd, uh, Director of Energy Asset Finance at NatWest. In this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking to Maria and Jacob, our expert guests, about the market drivers and the business models for channeling funding into the development of electric vehicle charging infrastructure, which, of course, as, as we all know, is crucial to the electrification of transport and transport decarbonisation goals. So briefly, before diving into some questions, just wanted to say hi and Welcome to both Maria and Jacob. Um, how are you today? Pretty well, thanks, Emma. Great to be on your podcast today. So thanks very much for having me along. Indeed. Thank you very much, Emma. Thank you so much um, for your time today. So we have a number of questions um, which sort of come stem from the report that we that we produced that I mentioned at the start. So the first question, um, if I may direct that towards you, Maria, the development of electric vehicle charging infrastructure, we know that it's accelerated um, in the past 12 to 18 months or so, um, according to the report. Um, so what, in your view, has been the driver behind that? It's a great question. And as uh, an EV driver, Emma, uh, something I'm closely watching as we sort of continue to uh, build the EV charging infrastructure across the UK. I think, you know, to start with, it's probably the drive towards electrification by 2030 and some real sort of government policy and support around this, but perhaps some other factors as well across uh, the automotive market. We're seeing perhaps reduction in the cost of EVs and more models coming uh, into the market, which is really important from a sort of consumer choice perspective as well. So very much EVs becoming, I think, much more accessible. Like ourselves at TLT, we've introduced a green car leasing scheme. And this is really important to us when we're putting sustainability absolutely at the forefront of our strategy and getting employees really engaged in that sort of sustainability journey. From a legal perspective, we've also seen some great projects in the market that we've been involved in as well. So just to uh, call out a couple there, perhaps we act on the sale uh, of Electric Highway, which is one of the biggest electric vehicle infrastructure deals in the UK. We've certainly seen increased deployment of EV charging infrastructure by uh, local authorities, retailers, leisure operators, those in real estate and some really exciting concepts as well, such as GridServe's uh, EV forecourts. So it is still perhaps a relatively nascent market, and perhaps we're not quite there yet in terms of balancing between the number of EVs on the road and the infrastructure. So there's certainly more that needs to happen in relation to uh, future developments, and also perhaps importantly, just future-proofing our UK EV charging infrastructure or expected demand. And that's quite important as technology in advances as well. And perhaps as a final thought, I'm sure we will come on to it, but there absolutely needs to be, you know, a good funding injection here in order to properly drive growth for the rollout of EV charging infrastructure. Um, we've seen some of the infrastructure funds, entrepreneurial equity investors, and as I'm sure Jacob will come on to, some of the banks really, really trying to get involved. But I think we just need to ensure that that flow of capital uh, certainly continues to enable us to get where we need to. Definitely a lot of food for thought there. Um, 
so if, if I may then, can I direct the, the question to the all important question to Jacob on, um, so Maria briefly mentioned the funding needed to accelerate the deployment of, of electric vehicle charging infrastructure. Um, Jacob, do you think there is sufficient investor comfort and confidence um, in EV charging business models and, and funding structures at the moment? Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good question. I feel like on a broader sense, investors, uh, particularly on the equity capital side and the sponsor and infrastructure side, are certainly seeing the requirement and demand for EV charging. It's impossible to ignore. As, as Maria said, when you look at the, in the UK, particularly the, the requirement for internal combustion engines to effectively cease being made from 2030, um, the, the demand for the EV charging infrastructure is going to have to increase exponentially across the UK because there just isn't the amount of forecourts that there are um, petrol stations for charging electric vehicles. So I think the demand will start to outweigh the supply. And that's the point where from an investor base and a lender base, you need to start working on what is bankable models. So the macroeconomic standpoint of we know we need to be lending into EV charging infrastructure is is well well versed and well made at, at both lender and, and investor level, but the question is how we can actually deploy that capital in, in, in effective ways. Um, so I think from a wider bank market standpoint, and this is looking at your traditional lenders like in that West, um, I think the appetite is growing, and I think the lenders are looking to support those structures that are bankable. Um, it's just a case of how and where we can deploy it but we're certainly seeing a lot more activity and a lot more interest in some of the smaller um super fast charging businesses uh, and then some of the larger corporates who are effectively looking to roll out more of a, um, a sort of charging infrastructure model on their own sites so there's a number of different models to look at a number of different debt structures which which we potentially talk about in a bit as well yeah, that, no, that's interesting, Jacob. I mean, indeed, one of the one of the key findings of the report um, was around debt funding, and the fact that that it was challenging to, to, to get that where there are no stable cash flows to support lending. Um, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a number of different debt structures that you can look at. So you can look at a sort of project financing or infrastructure financing or an asset financing type structure, but also a, a corporate finance or effectively you're lending direct to a larger corporate. And the, the problem at the moment is that you typically need, from a, a senior bank lender perspective, proven and trodden ground to be able to get comfortable with the cash flow risks that effectively support that. Whereas if you're sat on a investor side, you're looking at a future return for what may be or could be a profitable infrastructure type business. So. The, the investor side is getting comfortable there today and they're, they're putting their, their weight behind it. Um, the question then comes to the banks, so, okay, well, how do we create what is a, a bankable solution? Um, and that's where that's where we're looking at different types of debt structures and seeing how and, how and where we can support. Thanks for clarifying that, Jacob. And just going back to what we touched on at the start, um, there's some of the trends which are driving the market development on electric vehicle infrastructure. Um, Maria, I know you talked at length about 
um, several of these trends. Um, I guess, you know, we have, you know, some really ambitious and aggressive targets to meet um, by 2050 with um, electrification of vehicles being, you know, a fair, a a large part of that. And and you also mentioned, interestingly, you know, TLT, what what they're doing in-house as well, um, and the incentives that they're creating. So would you like to elaborate a little bit more on some of these trends? Thanks, Emma. Um, Yeah, I think there's a number of areas here where we're expecting to see a considerable increase in the provision of of, of EV charging infrastructure. Destination charging, we've touched on this, but this is where retail or leisure operators are perhaps installing charge points across their network, sometimes often perhaps in conjunction or partnership with an an EV developer. And we've seen some great schemes across the UK in relation to this. Now, that's perhaps uh, for a a slightly different proposition than only sort of revenue streams. A retailer or leisure operator might be incentivised to do this because they want to draw Uh, draw draw consumers, customers to their destination. So I think that's quite an interesting model and also how perhaps data um, can can, can form quite an important part of the the, the use of the charge points. You've then got home charging. And of course, I think the statistics still largely show that a lot of consumers, if they do have charge points at home, will charge at home and therefore benefiting from, you know, some EV tariffs or overnight charging or or whatever it might be. So we shouldn't forget here um, the traditional home charging model, but recognising that that's not going to work for everybody, particularly in sort of city locations where um, there isn't sort of off, off street parking. Certainly an increase, I think, in rapid charging in uh, municipal areas, strategic road networks, service stations. So that's certainly an area that we should keep an eye on. And this is sort of the charging station, the charging hub concept here. Very much going alongside the deployment of infrastructure in you know, towns, cities, car parks, hospitals, Park and ride. So there is so much by way of sort of opportunity in the charging infrastructure uh, space at, at, at the moment. Perhaps the area we haven't touched on, Emma, though, is, is and I'll just mention this very briefly, is fleet charging. Um, we've seen a number of big fleet operators, DHL, Sainsbury's, Amazon, Stagecoach, Royal Mail, many others, very much launch their commitments to going electric. And that's driving the development of fleet infrastructure and solutions from logistics hubs, for example. And I think, you know, some also great case studies out there as to how uh, EV charging infrastructure has been blended with uh, battery storage. And uh, perhaps the the, the example of Zenobi here in in terms of what they've been doing in relation to the EV uh, bus market. And, I think you know where EV will continue to play a role is in a multi-technology sense. I think battery storage, combining that with EV and perhaps the solar as well, is going to be something we'll see much, much more of. Fleet was definitely um, talked about by a lot of the interviewees in the report. Um, Jacob, I know you you raised as well the um, pay per mile model and talked about that as well, which is um, extremely relevant to fleets and in helping fleets decarbonize so that there is a lot out there and i guess this takes me to the question of well there are plenty of opportunities you know for investors in the coming months um 
So how do we break down those barriers to securing the external investment that's needed um, for EV charging and associated services projects? Um, and if I could direct that to you, Jacob, that would be fab. Yeah, sure. So and I've, I've touched on it briefly and, and, and maybe worth going into a bit more detail on what, where we or also where I see the, the typical funding structures that would cover this, say, from a project finance infrastructure and asset finance and also a corporate lend. But before I, I go down that route, it's worth mentioning the businesses like Zenobi because what what lenders like, is, particularly in, in proven asset concepts, is something that they've seen before that can derive an income or derive valuation at a point in time in the future where they can potentially recover that asset and, and make... Uh, you know, make some form of return from it in a, in a case where there may be a default or whatever whatever the situation may be. So when you look at the kind of all-in-serve models like the Zenobis of the world, you're not just looking at an isolated bit of charging kit. You're also looking at charging kit, battery storage, and buses. And of those three assets, you know, buses and battery storage are probably the markets where, in their own right, they derive their own lending and they, they have their own appetite and they have their own market. So if you can manage to bundle that into a, a whole into a whole capex project then you have a more attractive proposition or at least in in a sort of cash flow sense because you're ultimately um you're ultimately looking to sort of franchise contracts and things like that but you you have a cash flow position which is more bankable with an asset pool an asset security pool which is more bankable as well so i think that side of the ev charging infrastructure market is growing somewhat i think it's getting more bank appetite and i think that there will be um, there will be more growth there where you can effectively underpin something to say a bus operator or or, or a longer term contract that's, that, that looks through to, to sort of government franchise risk. If I then take a step back to what I was saying at the start in, in looking at just the EV charging infrastructure, yeah, I, I think the four markets that, that you look at is say a project finance infrastructure, asset finance and corporate lending. So one of the issues that we'll face EV charging from a funding perspective is what debt structure the project actually warrants. So on a typical PF or, or infrastructure type financing where you're funding a large number of assets on a, on a big scale, um, which obviously the market currently needs, um, then, then a lender would be looking to a forecast cash flow or potentially a, a debt finance assumption off of existing cash flows to give you an idea of, of what your leverage multiple can be for said project. So the, the problem we've got is that if you're looking at the, the bigger sites so if i go back to the forecourt example how do you forecast football how do you forecast the ability to for, for you and i to constantly be going through now obviously the, the instant comparator would be what happens in petrol stations how do you level a, a petrol station how do you look at those kind of sites but currently the sort of data isn't there to be able to say okay well that that is a, a, a four or five times whatever it may be net debt to EBITDA forecast multiple which will instantly give you access to an infrastructure debt market that that currently isn't quite there now how you get comfortable there is is i think there's a, there's a point in time where some of the some of the, the the businesses that are doing like the rapid charging who are doing land grabbing and getting as many sites as possible will eventually have a data set which they can share and, and, and you can eventually go okay well that that's a clear backward looking model you can test that you can stress it and then you can forecast it and i think when you get to that point you'll start to tip over into you know, a bigger market, broader lenders, uh, bigger ticket type financing. And then look at the asset finance and the and the corporate structure ones. I think 
the asset financing is, is where the market is, is sort of more active. You will have individual lenders and, and part of the NatWest business and the, Lomb, the Lombard business do, do this in that we'll finance individual EV charging points normally as a, as a package with, with a vehicle or, or, or potentially just as a sort of other individual corporate loan. Um, but the difficulty there is that if you're doing on, say, a lease, your perfection of security is, is important. Therefore, if you're doing a very big scale project, you'd have to have lines and lines and rows and rows of leases rather than say wrapping a, a lot of ev charging bits of kit into a vehicle and then having a, a charge over the assets in that vehicle which is more akin to a project infrastructure finance so, so the one that i uh, sort of briefly mentioned earlier that i think you've got potential for growth is around the larger corporates in the space who are potentially looking at growth projects on their own sites or, or partnering with others to start building out EV charging networks where they may have 150, 200 million of capex requirement um, and potentially looking to put their own balance sheet behind it or guarantee some form of cash flow on, on the capex so that we can actually say, okay, well, that that is a clear look through to a strong corporate that's putting their own credit grade behind something, um, which means that a bank can, can get comfortable because there's a, a level or a degree of certainty there, which potentially isn't there in some of the other structures. Thanks, Jacob. That was a really great explanation. Yeah, so a, a couple of points I pulled out there were scale, utilisation and data, uh, all being very relevant issues in, in the funding of electric vehicle charging infrastructure. Um, I'd really like to um, just take a moment to, to sort of thank you for your time today. And before we close today's podcast, are there any final closing statements from um, either yourself, Jacob or Maria that you'd like to add? All I'm going to add, Emma, just by way of sort of final final thought, is that I think a lot of this is about sort of collaboration in the context of sort of net zero more more widely and how partnerships of the type that we talked about and, and these sorts of schemes can really accelerate the agenda. And, you know, it's great to be raising awareness around what we need to do and the challenges ahead and then how we to combat those challenges to really get more EV charging infrastructure um, to where we really need to be to uh, where we really need to get to um, and it all contributes doesn't it to that wider sort of net zero uh, ambition. Closing remarks on this is that I think it's still a relatively nascent sector in terms of a like a financing structure but it, it's such a it's such an important and bigger sector from again that more localized economic set landscape particularly in the uk where there's such a drive for the consumer to go and buy an electric vehicle but something has to chase up at some point where it's okay to do a route from the uk to scotland or whatever at the moment in ev because the majority of the cars on the road are petrol there will become a tipping point where there are queues outside the four courts of ev charging places because the infrastructure isn't there so there will need to be a, a sort of a mindset shift maybe that comes from the sort of government grant that angle which may link into the cop 26 summit that's, that's happening this year um but i think the appetite will certainly grow exponentially from a from a funder basis for sure over the coming coming six months and, and a year so thank you maria and jacob that was a really interesting discussion um i hope you enjoyed this podcast but do feel free to get in touch with, with any of us should you wish to discuss the issues surrounding this topic further Thank you.